Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Mom, I forgot my trumpet. Can you bring it? Like, what fresh hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. I know that already. Why do you always say that? Uh, just, I don't, stop doing it. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I don't control the weather. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. I'm feeling agitated. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today we are talking about what to do when your kids take everything out on you. This topic was suggested by me. (laughs) (laughs) By Amy. Based on a true story. Based on a good friend. Yeah, very good friend is soaking in it. Your kids are taking... A friend named Shmamey. Shmilson. Kids are taking everything out on her. And uh, so I thought, let's let's talk about this because, yes, I am struggling with this. I have older kids. I mean, this happens at all ages and stages, but it, it, it gets more intense as you ramp into having 11, 14, and 16-year-olds like I do. I can, like, by, like, 8.30 every morning, I can, like, feel really bad about myself if two out of the three have been like, I know that already. Why do you always say that? Uh, just, I don't, stop doing it. Stop, stop helping me, right? Stop, like, getting me out the door, mom. Stop giving me everything I need. And I just sort of... Right. Or, and then, like, mom, I forgot my trumpet. Can you bring it? Like, right. It's like, there's no winning. Yes. And we have talked in other contexts about how we are our children's safe space and, like, we are the place where they're allowed to express things and that's really healthy. But, like, we need to examine a little bit the flip side of that. Yeah, Great to be the safe space, not great to be the punching bag. That's right. Like I end up feeling bad about myself and I can I can change my reaction to it. But a lot of what I've had to work through and working through is this idea of like, but they shouldn't talk to me that way. So let's say there's a big difference between like, God, mom, I already told you that. And you're the stupidest person. Like I'm, I'm not getting like insulted. I'm implicitly insulted, not explicitly insulted. And the other thing that I am told that I need to keep in mind, which is important, is if your kids are doing this at home and not at school with friends, that kind of thing, like if they're saving all their love for you, that is something to feel good about. 
they're functioning at extremely high level until 5 30 p.m and then taking it out on you i guess but at the same time and i am right next to you on the struggle bus we have like matching seats we're like sitting together on the struggle bus (laughs) field trip on this because i am having this really badly with my eight and nine year old and as they do it i see it spreading to my angelic Uh, seven-year-old and like here we go and I do not think, no matter the philosophy behind you being their safe space, I have kind of a zero tolerance policy for speaking rudely to me in my house. Like, it's not going to happen. But I am locked in a constant cycle, and it's gotten really out of control. I'm having a bad month for many reasons, and, like, my defenses are stripped away, and I do find that I am interacting with my kids 30% of the day. You will not speak to me that way! I, it's just I'm just getting into, like, a constant war with my children, but at the same time, I demand to hold the line where, like, I'm not going to be disrespected in my home. Yeah. So I want to talk today about the the line. If some of this is developmentally appropriate, if some of this is stuff we're supposed to turn the other cheek on, how much? And if that's true, how can I make it sort of matter less to me? How, how can I wrap my hand around this is this is okay and you have to let this happen? I'm going to try to keep an open mind. I have very strong opinions about this, which may or may not be correct, but I don't know if they're changeable. But I'm going to try to keep an open mind because I definitely see like the poison in my house right now is me just being the constant shrieking, you will not talk to me that way, head. And that's not great. But if anyone's telling me that the other side of that is like, accept that you're their safe space and they're going to dump stuff on you, like, hell no. It's a little bit, I think, different And you were saying something last week. I forget what the exact context was, but it was about sort of holding the line when they're 11 or you're going to have a big problem when they're 16. And I think to some extent this is true, that you need to set firm boundaries on what's allowable and not allowable in your home. Because when you have teenagers, like it is like there is so much electric discharge happening at all times. You're not going to shut down 100% of it. But you do want to sort of set the rules while your kids still like you. You know what I'm saying? And so I think I think you're in a slightly different place than me. And so you're not you're not wrong to be saying this is how we behave in this house. But then when you get to teenagers have to do this, they are going to reject you for a while. Can I tell you what Wendy Mogul has to say about this? Because she always has. She brings the smart. She's your touchstone. You love Wendy Mogul. I mean, I also enjoy Wendy Mogul, but you really love her. She's just a guru. And so she and she often looks at things. She is Jewish and she often couches her stuff in sort of Old Testament or Talmudic wisdom. Like, what do the elders say about this? And so she says the fifth commandment is honor thy mother and father. And so she says, like, if you're in this place, you're like, like, it's literally a commandment, honor thy mother and father. And she says, yeah, but when you're in this place, you honor yourself. When you have teenagers, she says, honoring mother and father means honoring yourself. Treat yourself with dignity, even if your teenager makes you feel like dirt. I agree. So how you do that is what we want to talk about. I think that's right. And also, and and we've spoken about this in different contexts one of the things that we do a lot in our house is do not speak to your father that way do not speak to my husband that way and do not speak to your mother that way and do not speak to my wife that way yeah that's a good one no one is allowed to disrespect me and like it's sometimes easier to be like do not disrespect your father in my house it's not happening I've had to sort of point out to my husband recently, and I did it in a, when it's important enough, you don't have to bicker about it. You can just say like, this is really what I need. He's been traveling a lot recently. I've been handling 
you know, most mornings and most sort of dinnertime homework evenings without him. And that's fine. But I'm sort of bearing the brunt of this without him around to do that. Then when he is around and one of them's like, I already told you that, mom. And he's sort of, you know, munching his cereal. I had to say sort of like, you're, you're usually not here and I'm getting a lot of this and I need you to do that. I need you to to step in and take some take some body blows from me when you're around because, you know, it's hard. And he's like, got it. And he does it. Exactly. And my husband has a mode, which we refer to as turtle shell mode in our house. Like my husband's an engineer, very like brainy, intellectual, spends a lot of time in his like little troll hole dungeon of an office at our house and like gets coding and like into that mode of like nothing gets inside the turtle shell. And sometimes he'll come upstairs and right. The kids are like, this is gross about dinner. And I'm like, yo, turtle shell, like that's your job is to be like, your mom does not cook dinner for an hour and you walk in and say it's gross. Like, yeah, no. Yeah. So why do kids do this? Want to talk about that? Because there are reasons. Uh, No, not really. But I mean, go ahead. Like, (laughs) I'm just of the mode of like, I'm going to just start getting some sort of like spray and like like a spray bottle with a cat and just spray them in the face every time they do it. Like skunk spray? Bear Bear spray. spray. That's what I need. Yeah. I think that might be mace. I probably should not encourage macing your children in the face, but like maybe just a water (laughs) bottle like a bad cat. Side story. uh, One of my kids did get bear sprayed. Uh, in the face and it was a horrible experience so this is that's a story for another episode but this is about us getting the bear spray yeah like yes. we can't they're bear bear spraying us and we don't want to bear spray back oh, we do want to but i guess we should we do want to that's right so sarah bean she's a parent coach and uh, i'll put the links to this and all the research and articles we're talking about today up on our show page whatfreshellpodcast.com and it's also if you're listening in an app you can tap swipe it'll all be there so sarah bean says that kids spout off when they have a problem they don't know how to solve they're angry they're stressed they're dealing with feelings that give them feelings of discomfort i don't know what to do with this and pushing your buttons and getting a reaction from you lets them offload that discomfort. Agree. Uh, and I've also heard it explained another way, which is like, I'm feeling agitation and I'm like, and I'm going to make you feel what I'm feeling, right? I'm going to do what I need to do to make you feel what I'm feeling so you understand it because I can't explain it because I'm 13. So I'm going to, you know, completely induce my state of agitation in you. I mean, absolutely agree. Do it myself. Having a very rough month this month myself. And like, I find myself being like, every time I interact with my husband, I'm like, you idiot, comma. And then I begin the <laughs> sentence. Like, it's not a great mode. No. And it's because I am having a lot of negative emotions around things. And so it's just a classic thing of like, I'm hurting, so I want to stab you in the face. Like that, right. of, of course, get it, check, agree. Krista Santangelo has a new book called A New Theory of Teenagers. Great book. And what she has to say about this is that we soothe ourselves with the narrative of how somebody else is the problem. Yes, agree. Right. And the problem with that is when you project like you're the problem, you're the one who never reminds me to bring my trumpet. When you do that, it also alienates the people whom you need the most, namely us, mom and dad. Correct. And this is something that developmentally kids cannot understand. And I spend a lot of time trying to explain. You are a member of a family. Sometimes you get your way. Our big fight last night was that my son's been wanting to ride his bike to school in the morning. So we made a big plan that he was going to ride his bike to school today. He was excited about it all day. He was like practicing riding with his backpack, which he's never done. We were like, yay, 
time to ride the bike to school. He was very excited about it. Of course, we pull up the weather report and it's pouring rain all day today. And so I said, I think you're going to have to wait until Wednesday to ride your bike to school because it's supposed to rain Monday and Tuesday. And he flipped out. And it was understandable. Like he had spent the entire day prepping to ride and then something went wrong. But it basically ended with a shouting match in which I was screaming, I don't control the weather. Right. (laughs) Like, I understand all the pieces of how it's coming together. But like, it should not end at eight o'clock with my son and I screaming at each other that I don't control the weather. (laughs) Like He's like, he's like King Lear howling at the storm, except, you know, you mom, fix it fix the rain. Oh my God. Exactly. (laughs) Crack your cheeks. Exactly. Like I understand that when we're at the point of that screaming, we're wrong, but I'm not exactly sure where in the path to correct those things. Well, okay. So Kim Abraham is somebody who works with specifically with kids who are oppositionally defiant. I mean, this is a, right. All of our kids are sometimes oppositionally defiant. Some kids have actually a disorder that, but this is capital O, capital D, capital D, oppositional defiance disorder. So she, she tells the kids and the parents that the problem isn't the anger. It's the behavior that follows. Like our kids are going to have, of course, he's going to have intense emotions that the thing he ever wanted the most in the whole wide 11 year old world has been taken from him. And that that feeling it has to be OK. Your feelings are your feelings. But the behavior is what has to be addressed. Yes. And this I mean, we're way ahead of you, Kim Abraham, because we have <laughs> said this many, many times. And this is my mom's touchstone that we go back to. Your feelings are legitimate. Your behavior is unacceptable. And that is always a good thing to redefine all the time. Yeah, that's a good one. It is okay to feel so furious and frustrated that this thing that you've been so looking forward to, and really all winter you've been looking forward to it, and like now is the day you're finally going to do it, and it's raining, but it is not okay to have a major tantrum about that. You know, it's just not fine thinking like okay and when you t- when i talk about this like un- i understand this i can wrap my head around it so like why can't i let it go like why why can't i let this roll off me a little bit more i have a hard time with it and i think wait but i would say you can't let it roll off of you because you absolutely shouldn't like when they get older it's it's a tough one i mean i'm not sure i'm not sure we're going to get i'm not sure we're going to fully solve this but yes the teenage parenting experts by and large say you have to learn how to let some of this just happen and not take every you know not take every bone they throw don't chase it uh, well that i that i think is probably the crux mm-hmm. of where we're heading which is that This behavior is unacceptable, but if you fight it 6,000 times a day, it will just become wall of noise. My mom has a crazy shrieking heartbeat, and that's not where you want to get. Like That I agree with, but on the flip side, letting this go and letting your household become a household where you are constantly disrespected and you're allowed to be kind of the kicking post for everybody is also unacceptable. So I think what we're heading towards is how to figure out where you are on that spectrum at any given time and therefore which response is appropriate. Right, right. If overreacting doesn't work, neither does underreacting. Janet Lehman says when when we overreact, we get too rigid. When we underreact, we're ignoring it. And either way, it's not going to teach our kids how to manage their thoughts and emotions more effectively. 
So we have to learn how to react appropriately. We're going to talk more about that as soon as we come back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, can I take us way back with this conversation? Okay. Because I think it is an ages and stages thing. I had a friend who was talking to me about a problem they were having with their baby who was just getting like overstimulated by play, basically, as a whatever, 16, 18 month old. And they would start playing and, you know, cuddling and the baby would be laughing and the baby would bite her or like hit her, which a lot of babies do when they get kind of like wound up from play. And I was passing on advice that I've gotten in this situation, which is biting shuts down the mom machine. Like the mom machine is like loving and playful and full of smiles and tickles and stuff. But when you bite, the mom machine shuts off. So it's like a blank facing kind of thing. And that starts to teach the baby that like biting ends the fun. Biting turns mom off. Doing the Because you can't really yell at a baby for biting you. They don't really understand what's going on. And it reminds me of an article that we've talked about before, which is like the husband training article from the New York Times from a couple of years ago. About what it's called, What Shamu Taught Me. And it's this woman who went to observe animal trainers and animals don't respond well to getting yelled at. And so the idea of animal training is that you reward good behavior 
and you blank face bad behavior. And that's how like you train a bird to land on a spot. When they land on the spot, they get a lot of praise and a treat. And in the article, she starts doing it with her husband. Like, oh my God, you put the socks in the hamper instead of on the bed. That thank you. And then you blank face bad behavior. And I think there is something elemental to that that is the key to this that I've lost a little bit. There's another step though, which is where I'm getting stuck, which is like, I, I'm i blank facing it and I'm, my feelings are still being hurt, you know? Like I'm still really taking it in and feeling bad about myself. That's not intentional. I mean, teenagers are, are careless in a way, but they're not like, haha, I really ruined her day. Like they they can come back 10 minutes later and expect to have a normal conversation with you. They're They're offloading, they feel better. And I can blank face it, but still walk away feeling bad. And I have to, I definitely have to address that part, like internalizing the rejection. Right. That's, that's harder. That's harder to do. So I think we're talking about two different things. One is like how you deal emotionally with being treated this way. And one is like, how are you addressing and trying to curtail the behavior? Mm -hmm. So on the issue of trying to curtail the behavior, I have found like, Homework is a big time like this for me, where we used to be like, uh, okay, which of the, does the rhombus have four right angles? Like, mom, that's how they do it in school. Like, everything is like, you idiot. And I'm like, I'm sitting here trying to help you figure out the rhombus. This is not actually how I want to be spending my time. And so I have tried instead of constantly, which is like my instinct is like, you will never, and this is a rhombus and getting really into it. To try, just go into full like robot shutdown mode and be like, okay, when you're ready to work with this, if you need help with it, let me know, but I'm going to step away for right now. And like just trying to remember that action, which is like, and moving out of the situation in the same way that like my kid who was like, it's raining and I can't ride my bike. It's like, I know you're upset about this and I'm sorry. If you want to have a talk about it, I'll be downstairs versus getting back into the screaming of like, I don't control the weather. Not a great interaction. The yelling is like the, is what you definitely can't do because then you're putting yourself on a peer level with them, right? Like now you're out of control and now I'm out of control. Look, you know, look what we've done. We're two people in red brain and that doesn't calm the situation down, doesn't make you feel better, doesn't make them feel better. Like you definitely can't do that even even when you are very much being offered the bait, even when like the, the drums are pounding. If you grew up in a house too with a lot of anger and yelling, this can really push your buttons. This isn't me saying this. This is Sarah Bean, who is a, is a parent coach, but it's true. Like anger and yelling and, and like it, it, can make you really afraid, even when it's your 12-year-old. Right. Yeah. It can stress you out. And I remember so well, I was talking to my pediatrician about something I don't remember, but some issue with the kid. And he was like, picture what a kid loves most in the world. It's a jack-in-the-box. You wind it and you wind it and you wind it and you make it explode. And like that metaphor, and he was like, do not be the jack-in-the-box. And like, I still think that all the time with my grown kids. Like, they are literally like the British expression, winding you up. They are literally looking for the jack-in-the-box experience and not being the clown that pops out and screams at the end helps the situation tremendously. And they're, and they're offloading out of need and out of intense emotions of their own. They're not Again, it's not it's not about trying to get a rise out of you. They don't look at the world the way we do. They don't even have the same empathy and understanding of other 
people and frontal cortex that we do. So they are like, I'm feeling agitated. So they do want you to to pop up and give them a reaction. When you do that, then they can see like, it really is as horrible as I think. Mm-hmm. And and I think I also have to sort of separate, like, they're not doing this to upset me. They're not, they're not trying to get me, even though it feels that way on the receiving end. Right. It's the, it's the coming together of two unmatched stories. And we talked about this in the marriage episode. Like my story is I do everything for everybody. I'm unappreciated. I'm blah, 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 blah. And my husband's story is like, I want a sandwich. And like, I Mm -hmm. left the bread out. And like, those two stories are coming together. And I'm like, you have done this to completely negate everything and make me feel like you don't appreciate my work. And he's like, uh, just trying to make a sandwich, you know? And the kid is like, I had a bad day. And it's like, wait a minute, I gave up my career. I gave up so many things I want. I don't want to sit here and make a trifold about how electricity works. I want to be pursuing my novel. Like your two stories, like your child is not understanding a lick of your backstory. And you're probably not understanding very much of their backstory, which is like, this kid made me feel bad today. I had this horrible interaction. I'm starting to feel weird about the way my body works. Like whatever the 9,000 things in their iceberg and whatever the 9,000 things in your iceberg are coming together and like the meeting, it's like, how do we take the tension out of that meeting in the middle? Yeah. And I think the, I think one of the things that you can do is curiosity, is be curious about the iceberg, which believe me is easy to do as your kids get older and they don't tell you, you know, they come home and they throw their book bag down and slam the door or whatever. And you're like the last person that they're going to tell what social interaction, rejection, whatever caused that problem. Right. Even the, But they're going to offload it on you. And you can, I think, try to kind of soften into it and be curious about like, uh-oh, something happened today. And just to be clear, you can't do this when you're being screamed at about the weather. This right. is something that has to happen apart from the flashpoints. Right. That's so the right. flashpoints, I think – the best thing you can do is try to de-escalate and remove. Like this is the no tantrums downstairs. Like if you need to go wail out about the weather, go do that somewhere where you're not bothering everybody in the house. Go find a space to do that. But you're not going to have a conversation about like, hey, what's in your iceberg, honey, when they're screaming like, I can't run my bike because it's raining. And they're not fully dealing with that. Like, no, it's I'm not mad that the I asked the girl out and she said, no, I'm I'm mad that you didn't, you know, tell me that I had chorus today. Like they they will. They right. will you didn't tell me right. I had chorus today. They will project very successfully and not know they're doing it. And it's developmentally appropriate. And I think it's yeah, you just can't sort of. I'm a failure as a parent. I, you know, I, I really should have reminded, like, you can't, you can't internalize the stuff that they're, you can't take it personally. I'm going to give you yeah. a Sarah Bean quote. She says, the hurtful words your child is using aren't about you. When you do take it personally, that's what causes the big emotional reaction in you. And that reinforces the bad behavior by showing your kid how much power he has over you. Like, wow, I can really make her, <laughs> I can, I can really make her pop out of the box, right? Like, look at this. Look at this reaction I can get, which actually helps the behavior continue. They're they're getting rewarded for their bad behavior when you blow up back at them. Absolutely. And and it allows them to change the story in a way that is not yes. great. Yes. Because their story is my mom is an out of control idiot. And then when you respond by being like, it's like, see exactly see? the right story. Right. Whereas it's hard. 
and I don't do it well, but I have tried at some point to be like, I have said to my kids at certain points, you know what? It really hurts my feelings when you talk to me that way. And that it's not going to work. We're not going to like, they're not going to suddenly be like, Oh mother, I am so penitent. I apologize. Like, but I think being able to reframe the like Jack in the box, like into like, wow, I really don't want to be talked to that way. I'm going to just step out of this situation because it hurts my feelings when you talk to me that way. Or I have also said, I think you're really upsetting everyone in the house with this tantrum. It's kind of scaring people. You're out of control. Like, can you get back under control? Like reframing it a little bit in the context of not just like, we're both screaming like lunatics. And I think I think you're right about the, gee, that really hurts my feelings. When I have said that sometimes, it does work, but you're not manipulating when you say that. You're just telling the truth. And if then they you can, can react do it, they want. that's right. right. Like if you can do it, my, someone told me what's like the most useful phrase in the world is, thank you for letting me know how you feel. Like when someone's like, well, you're really an idiot and a moron and you didn't do this right. And the PTA clipboard should have been done this way and you did it this way. It's like, Oh God, th- thanks for letting me know how you feel. Like, but you have to be able to do it without making the other person know that you're really saying, like, I'm not interested at all in what you're saying. But like, can you neutralize what is coming at you to a certain degree? The other experience that we've all had in this is like, the weather, I hate the weather. I don't control the weather. Bro. And then two hours later at bedtime, me and that same kid sit down and he's like, I'm just so upset and, and frustrated. And I feel like I my emotions are really out of control. And I'm like, yeah. And I am really sorry for yelling and getting into that with you. Like there is, we've all seen like every reality TV show, uh, America's Next Top Model is like the super angry girl is like, I'm not here for friends and and there's like always the episode where she starts crying and being like, I'm lonely and afraid (laughs) like that. There is underneath that bubble often an emotion that is harder to tackle. And then there's another what not to do inherent in there, which is um, don't take the very satisfying in the moment opportunity to say, oh, so you want to talk now? Oh, now you need my help. Oh, <laughs> I seem to remember somebody else, you know, an hour ago was saying I was an idiot and now you need my help. Oh, I thought I was a moron. Oh, you need my advice. No, that's, it's, oh, it's so tempting, but no, not a good way to play it. When it's over, it's over. You know, you need to continue to be the safe place for them to feel all their feels. And yeah, you can't sort of hold them hostage to, it's it's inviting them to return to the jerk that they were an hour ago. It's inviting the, that part of the conversation to keep going, which you don't want to do. And that is the place where like when you talk about like you are their safe space, you are like the place where they can express themselves. It doesn't mean it justifies being abused and talked rudely to, but it is like you are the adult and you are the bigger person. And like you're the safe space in terms of like, they can blow up act crazy. And whenever they are ready to be penitent and normal, you are there for them. Like that part of that makes a ton of sense to me. Let's talk about a few more things that are uh, not good to do. Okay. Like the, the yelling, the saying, I hate you too. Those are, okay. don't do that. Yeah. Don't, don't uh, <laughs> try to keep it going when they I'm, all of a sudden seem nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the thing of like your kid bites, you bite them back. Like probably yeah. don't. Yeah. Um, in general, the experts seem to agree that trying to calm them down or, or say calm down or reason with them in the moment is wasted energy, that it's okay. You don't have to be the punching bag. You can, as you said, remove yourself or suggest they go upstairs or 
but to try to come to a conclusion that works for both of you while they're being irrational is wasted energy. So let let it kind of spend itself. You call that red zone, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've got to recognize the red zone. And like the 20 minutes after my kid realizes that it's going to rain on his bike ride, I should know that is red zone and there is no room for me in the red zone. Yeah. And I fail that test pretty much daily. Like I'm always like, I'm going to tell you the thing and don't go crazy and rah, 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 and then he starts to go crazy and I'm like, stop it. But you know, the red zone is a problem zone. Another thing that you shouldn't do in the moment, experts say, is punish. You know, like, you know what, young man, you're grounded for a month. Um, not that you, there shouldn't be consequences for bad behavior if it's warranted, but that like topping, topping. Oh yeah, well I like now I'm really like I'm going to shut this down and here's how I'm going to throw down the gauntlet. That again, the story, as you were saying before, then becomes wow, mom is really is a jerk. See, like how look how put upon I am. My life is terrible. Instead of waiting until they calm down and then talking about the problem with their behavior and the consequences that now have to occur. I I read a quote about somebody recently and it was like, he's a man in search of a fire to run towards with a can of gasoline. And like, that is how I get with the fights. That's a teenager. Uh, and, and, And I become a little bit that way because I, I have gotten so strong in my story of for whatever deep seated reasons are in me of like, I will not be disrespected that I have decided that I'm dying on like the first sign of that hill in the distance. And I think I can chill out a little bit with it. I'm a third child. And I think I always felt a little bit like the runt of the litter and like, oh, no one cares about me. But like, I think there must be some part of that that's playing out in this for me. That's like, I will not be disrespected in my home, but in that that is starting the instinct to me that like the minute the fire starts, I'm like, I'm running in there and I'm going to get it rid of it. It's like I'm actually running towards it with gasoline and I don't realize that. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about what to do in these situations. Let's please. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know 
while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. And now, a handy guide to talking to your loving mother from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Your mother has used up her entire day running errands for you. She's spent hours scanning Pinterest recipes and preparing a new dish, even though she'd rather have been lying in bed and catching up on episodes of her favorite reality TV show. You'll be tempted to say, Ugh, what are these? Enchiladas? They smell like bat barf. Instead, try... Wow, Mom, when I think of all the things you do for me, the unseen work that goes into keeping me alive and well-fed, I guess the word for what I feel is thankful. I love you, Mom. Moms spent today reorganizing your clothing drawers in tight Marie Kondo-style folds after doing half a dozen loads of laundry. Your reaction may be... Mom, where's my soccer jersey? Why do you always move my stuff so I can't find anything? Instead, try... Wow, Mom, here's just another example of how, in so many unseen ways, you work to make our lives easier. Since I can figure out how to use an iPad, I bet I could use the washing machine, too. In fact, I'd love to. This evening, your mom stopped reading an engrossing novel to instead Google Common Core Guidelines and help you figure out what the heck the bossy R is in order to help you with your homework. Your go-to reply may well be... That's not how Mrs. Smith told us to do it. God, Mom, you aren't helping me. Instead, try... Wow, the Common Core is a frustrating evolution in our current educational system. I agree. Thanks for trying to help me get to the bottom of this, even though there's a thousand more interesting ways you could be spending your Tuesday night. Your mom has set well-researched and reasonable limits on your social life in order to protect you and keep you safe and sound. You'll think a reasonable response is... God, Mom, you're so uptight. Liam's mom lives and out until 11 p.m. and he's a year younger than me. Why do you have to be so annoying? Instead, try... Gee, Mom, thanks for recognizing that my frontal lobe has not formed enough yet to protect me from what are essentially my own moronic instincts. You must really care about me. You're the best. I love you, Mom. This has been a handy guide to talking to your loving mother from the What Fresh Hell podcast. All right. What we're going to do instead. Solve it, Amy. I'm just going to sit back and let you tell me all the solutions. Janet Lehman, who is a uh, parenting expert, she agrees with you that you should, she says, catch disrespect early and plan ahead. Plan ahead for the dark years. I'm good at that. I'm very good at catching disrespect early. Good. Solved. Winter <laughs> is coming, Margaret, and you need to be ready. And she says, you know, that the, the we don't talk to each other that way in this family, that those things are good when kids are younger and, and present it calmly. And she also says, make sure that you and your co-parent are holding the same line. Agree. In situations. For older kids, this is one that Wendy Mogul talked about, and Sarah Bean also talks about this, and I have a hard time with this. Keep your body language neutral. 
not only are you not supposed to yell back, you're supposed to, as you said, blank face and but and not cross your arms and this. I have the opposite of poker face, like whatever that right. is, I have that. Like every thought I have flits across my face and my even if I'm like, I'm not saying anything, I'm just sitting here like I my my anger, annoyance, whatever is written all over my face. And there's only so much I can do about that. But when you get called out on that, Sarah Bean says, if you're like your kids, like, and see, now you're not even listening and like, oh, you're making a face or whatever. That's the moment when you can say, well, you know what? I am feeling pretty angry or I am. And my feelings are really hurt right now. Like that's, that's the moment to calmly acknowledge like, you're right. You are reading something in me and it's this and describe it. And I would like to acknowledge at this point that developmentally, children's inability to see their parents as fully formed human beings. Like, I definitely remember being in my 20s and being like, my mom has been disappointed in things mm -hmm. in her life. Like, my mom, I remember my mom talking about like working on her college thesis and saying like, oh, it was just like, I, I, I kind of like, she was kind of like hard on herself. Like, oh, I kind of feel like I wasted a semester on that. It wasn't a good project. And I was like, my mother has lifelong regrets. <laughs> like, what? Like, and that's the stories thing. Like, you can try to see their iceberg, but trying to make them see yours is not a great pursuit. Yeah, that will come with time, but it's pretty far away. For the first 18 months, no, it's not the 18 months. I think it's for the first six months of life. A baby doesn't really understand that the mother is not her, that it's a separate person. <laughs> they, they think they're the same. Right. And and for some kids, that's the first 16 years of life. My kids might still think that. I'm going to address that. I'll leave some reading material around in the coffee table. <laughs> I am an independent person. Let's work on object permanence. You know how <laughs> when you shut your eyes, I'm still there? Yes. Yes. Okay. If you have to say something, the experts say, keep it direct and brief and you can walk away. Definitely. Like, keep it calm. Keep it to the point. We will talk about this later. This isn't going very well right now. And keep it calm. Red zone. Know your red zone. I'm going to work on that. This was a really good tip, I thought, from Kim Abraham, who's a parent coach. She says, when your kid's doing this, picture your kid as a neighbor's kid. Ugh, it's great advice. That it'll give you the appropriate emotional distance, right? Like, wow, this kid is really having a temper tantrum about nothing. Yeah. It's, it's easier when it's somebody else's kid. That's true. Although I'm big at yelling at the neighbor's kids, too. But <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. I don't know that that'll help me that much, but no, it's good advice. It's definitely it, good advice. I would add to this as well that although... You have to have boundaries with your kids that are appropriate. I don't, there's a million things in my life I don't talk to my kids about. My kids don't really know that much about me in a lot of ways because I understand that like they're not developmentally ready for my iceberg. At the same time, in that I'm having a hard time this month and they're pretty aware of the central issue around that, I will occasionally remind them, you guys know that this has been a really tough month for me. And so- yeah. Uh, I'm sorry that I'm a little bit more short tempered. I'm sorry. And like my, my kid said to me the other day, like, it's okay, mom, we know you're in a bad mood. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, I am like, I mean, I'm big on not laying any burdens on your kids. They're not really ready to carry stuff for you. But I think being able to say like, Hey guys, remember that I'm struggling with this thing. And like, I know I'm a little bit more short tempered. So like, We've talked about this, like even like going out or something. Today's the wedding, guys. 
It's the wedding. So like this is your best behavior we need you to tap into here. There's going to be boring parts, but this is someone else's day. And for this eight hours, we need this. Like those kind of conversations can sometimes help with this. If like in my case, a lot of the like fuel in the fire is coming from like me being so worn down. Mm-hmm. That like, I'm not going to go into like, you don't want to sit down and be like, your dad and I are not getting along. You know, that's not my issue, by the way. But you don't want to burden them with stuff. But it's okay to say like, you guys know that this has been a hard month for me. So give me a little bit of a break. You were modeling um, appropriate handling of intense feelings, right? right. Owning them, talking about them, um, and and then setting them aside, right? The The point is, Never that our kids aren't going to have anger or intense feelings or that we should teach them not to. It's, it's the behavior that comes next. You are, you, you are handling your intense feelings appropriately by acknowledging them and by being honest and by not, <laughs> yeah, you know, and kicking the dog. Something we were saying in the house rules episode is like sometimes it's your turn to do what you want to do. And sometimes it's your sister's turn. So like sometimes it's going to see the Avengers movie and sometimes it's sitting through her recital. And like, you have to remember when it's recital time that we sat through the Avengers for you, you know, like, and modeling that for kids. And I think that also works in this of like, sometimes it's your turn to have a really bad day, but guess what? Sometimes it's my turn to have a really bad day. Yeah. Like it's okay to give name to that and be like, Listen, dad's having a really stressful time at work right now. It's kind of his turn to have a bad week. Like, slow your roll. It might not be your turn this week. And like, kids aren't going to be like, you're right, mother. I completely understand. Let me shelve all my feelings while you're having a hard time. No one's saying that the result is going to be like a complete understanding of the factors of the world in a 16-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 6-year-old. But I think it's really a good idea sometimes to give voice to those kind of things. I do too. And it will take time. I mean, you're not going to get James Lehman. He has died, but he was a very famous parenting expert. His reaction to all of this was don't hold your breath. There's not going to be immediate insight, understanding, compliance, appreciation, acknowledgement, and response to these moments. They're not going to say like, you're right, I'll never do this again. That will not happen. And that's not why you're doing it, because you're doing your job one day at a time, one interaction at a time, I suppose, and and teaching them healthy, emotional living by modeling it. Yeah, no, and I think having those kind of conversations, I was on the highway the other day, it was a police officer with someone stopped on the side, so I was trying to move to the other lane to get out before I passed the police officer, so I was passing right by them. And this guy would just not let me over. And it was so obnoxious. It was just one of those stupid driver things where you're like, really? Like, I'm just trying to not injure these people on the side of the road. And you're just like not letting me over because you have, I guess, somewhere to be because you're the most important person in the world. Right. And I kind of like, I wasn't cursing at him, but I kind of like was like, what a jerk, you know, and I was kind of gesturing at him and he flipped me off. And the kids were like, what was that? And I'm like, well, that's conflict. Like, I wanted to get over He probably didn't realize that I had a reason why I wanted to get over, but like, just be nicer to other people on the road, blah, 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 blah. And then it became clear that we might be going to the same destination, me and the guy. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to like get out and like have a fight in the parking lot. And um, thank God he turned before that. But my kids were like, what's going to happen? And I'm like, we're going to be reasonable. And I'm going to say, hey, I had to get over, blah, blah, blah. They were all like freaked out about it. Like mom's in a fight with someone. Ah!" But 
I think giving voice to stuff all day, every day, and like narrating kind of like, oh, I just feel so frustrated with that guy. I just want to fight with him. But like, it's still not appropriate for me to like roll down the windows and curse him out. Like trying to give voice to modeling stuff during the day helps kids see it. Yeah, it does. Stephanie Clint has another really good tip for sort of dealing with this for us. She says this is about responding, not reacting. That that's what we have to do as parents. Respond to our what our children need rather than react to the, you know, unpleasant package that it's being delivered in. Right. And then you have to work on coping skills to lower your reactivity. And I think I'm thinking that's okay, that's where I am. Yes, I need to lower my reactivity exactly. to this developmentally appropriate no mom, you don't know anything. Like this is this is where we are. Uh, Wendy Mogul says it's like the narrow straits, like the streets of Egypt that we're sailing through. She says, moms with teenage girls, you're in, you're in the narrow place. This is going to be hard sailing for a couple of years. And then you come out and you need to accept that that's where you are when you're there and not, I think, be frightened by that and not be frightened by like, my children don't respect me. Like they do. This is a long game and you're in this tough part that you keep hearing about is going to happen and you're in it. Well, and it makes me think about the triangle again. Like I'm always saying, like some people say a ladder. I think Amy wants it to be a plate, but like your priorities. Some people, some people argue that the most important thing is at the bottom of the triangle and you like your most important thing at the top of the triangle. No, mine is the top because it, it has to narrow because if every everything can fit at the bottom. Like I, I think the triangle is because the most important thing has to be at the tip. It's the only thing that can fit there. And I think one of the problems that I'm having is that I've kind of forgotten that the top of my triangle is peaceful, happy home. Also very near the top is not being disrespected in my home. But I have occasionally let that become the top of the triangle. Like they're not mutually exclusive. And like, I will not have a peaceful, happy home if I'm constantly being disrespected in my home. But allowing for the priority of peace doesn't mean that I'm completely abdicating my vision of not being disrespected. Right. But reacting, chasing every bone is yes. also not the way to a peaceful, happy home. Yes. I think it's, it's – I'm so glad we talked about this because I think for me it really is a thing of like I have been like zero tolerance on disrespect. Also, it drives me crazy and I see it all the time. Like I can't stand to see kids being disrespectful to their parents. It's like, yeah. a, it's my kryptonite. Like I find it so, and I'm like, not in my house. No one's speaking that way in my house. But like, I think I have gotten to a place where I am like uni focused on this issue in a way that is hurting peaceful, happy home. And I need to just reset a little bit that like, no, disrespect is not tolerated where I live. But the reaction to that is not you and I screaming at each other on the porch about the rain. Like the reaction to it is like, you go to your room, I'll go to my room. I understand you're disappointed. When we can have a reasonable conversation, we will make a plan. And I've said this before, but like one of my touchstone phrases is, can we make a deal? And that's where we got to last night on the bike. Can we make and a did deal? You and our deal was, it wasn't supposed to rain in the morning. It's supposed to rain now in the afternoon. So my son rode his bike to school. And we put a 
seat down in the car and I'm going to go pick them up and we're going to put the bike in the car coming home in the rain. And did you have a pause before you came up with the deal? Like, does the, can we make a deal come an hour later? Oh yeah. This was after 20 minutes of screaming about the rain and the weather and who controls the weather and why would God <laughs> do this to me? Why would he make it rain? And I'm like, oh my God. And then I'm like halfway getting into a theological discussion about how God doesn't send rain just to ruin your Monday. But like, what am I doing at that point? Get out. It occurs to me that when you say, can we make a deal, you are offering an olive branch, right? Or you're offering a life preserver or whatever metaphor you want to use. You're holding it out to the kid. Like, would you like to be saved from these feelings you're having right now? And when your kid grabs it, it you got to take it. And it proves this overall thing that it was never about them really thinking you were an idiot in the first place. It was about no. their need. And the other thing that I really want to underscore, because I think it's important, your child is looking to you for boundaries. And yep. I think that's something people forget. So if your child is allowed to curse you out to your face and call you an idiot and send you scattering away with that, you have let your child down because they're coming to you in some way for you to be like, we need to stop this craziness. We're not allowed to speak that way. Can we make a deal? Mm -hmm. Like I will... I will get past this behavior and help you fix it. But if you allow that behavior, like my my mom used to say this all the time in therapy, kids are boundary seeking. In some ways, this behavior is looking for a line. Your kid is saying to you, like, what are you going to let me say and do in this house? Because I am so out of control that what they want to feel is the pen. They want that like weighted blanket to be thrown on them and calm them down. Yep, yep. And if you allow insanity and like completely out of control behavior to reign, you are not giving your child what they need. Your child needs not somebody to come back at them with their hair on fire, screaming and yelling. They're on fire and they want you to be the blanket that puts that fire out. Yeah. And if you need support in this, which all of us do, this is a good time to lean on your spouse, your mom tribe, our Facebook group, because every parent deals with this at some point, more or less. It, this is not something to be ashamed of when your kid like yells at you in the street corner and people were watching. Like this is this is something that we all deal with, including our discomfort and our you know shame and just sadness and reaction to it. It's it's not easy and. Our kids are not going to solve that for us in the moment. So lean on your friends. I agree. And I'm going to take it a step further. I think this is something, as we said, you have to like start fighting it at six so that you're ahead of it at nine so that when they're 16, they're not like throwing seven, breaking yeah. seven, cursing and being out of control in your house and being an out of control child. This is something that is also recommended and okay to go seek sure. professional help with. This is something that like, most families, many families I've known have had to go out and be like, whoa, this has gotten beyond me. This is like spun out of control. And I don't know how to reassert control and like get someone to help you with this. Well, if you're interested in that, I will put, like I said, all the uh, links to the research and the experts uh, up on our website and on our show page. And these are all really good places to start. There is tons of good research on this topic because clearly it's a universal one. And we solved it. Solved it. <laughs> Everyone, your children are going to be like all little Lord Fauntleroy's. Our first oldie locks alert. <laughs> Back in my day. Of the episode coming in at the wrap up. Little Lord Fauntleroy. Little Lord Fauntleroy. I bet he was, I bet he was snippy with his nanny and governess. 
Little Lord Fauntleroy, <laughs> never. He had that cute bow tie. He would never. How dare Come you? Come visit Amy? us, guys. Uh, guys, if you want to know who Little Lord Fauntleroy <laughs> is, please come to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast, and we will um, tell you all about him there. We're also on Instagram at whatfreshhellcast, on Twitter at WFH Podcast, and as always, our website is whatfreshhellpodcast.com. Guys, we'll talk to you next week. So long. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.